Hello, you are now in Carl's Orbit, where interesting people are interviewed as to who they are, what they do, and how they do it. Our guest is return guest, Mark Schoengold. He is a renowned world traveler. He and his wife have traveled oh, oh, throughout the world and visited many, many, many places. But uh, in this interview, he'll be talking about his uh, visiting some interesting, unique national parks. And so uh, we have to welcome him. Welcome to Carl's Orbit, Mark. Thanks for having me, Carl. Yeah, and uh, how about telling us about your impressions of some of these up to, oh, close to 10 different beautiful national parks that you visit, you and your wife have visited. Okay, let's start. Uh, the first one is Lassen Volcanic National Park. This is in Northern California. The town name is Mineral, California, and it's part of the Cascade Range of Young Volcanoes in Northern California. Uh, this volcano last erupted in 1914, so there's no reason to get nervous. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's over 10,000 feet tall, and you can hike to the summit. Really? There's a nice trail. It zigzags back and forth. And when you get to the top, you have to, of course, catch your breath. And uh, you can see up and down the volcanic range of California, Oregon, and Washington. It's just a beautiful sight to see the forest in between. The air is spotlessly clean. It's just gorgeous. You just take your time, bring water, and uh, you can do it. Which park is this again? This is called Lassen, L-A-S-S-E-N. Lassen Volcanic. Uh, the one thing is, you can't get there too early because sometimes, because of the snow, which could be 15 feet high, it takes till July oh. for the Park Service to actually open the roads. So uh, you certainly have to check uh, before you go there. But even, I mean, once you do that, there's still more. There's a little, what they call cinder cone. It's a little volcano about 700 feet high, just made all out of cinders that shot out of um, the volcano. And you can go up the volcano, walk up it, and then you can go right down into the crater and uh, walk around and see around. It's all just all cinder. And uh, safely come back up again and see the lava flows all around it, the beautiful colors as they've been stained different colors, orange and red and so on, due to the iron in them. So there's also lakes and waterfalls and glaciers and meadows, and it's constantly changing. It's just a beautiful area. You can also make believe you're in Yellowstone without the crowds. Really? There are boiling huh. hot springs bubbling away, just like in Yellowstone, called Sulphur Works or Bump Path Hell. You can smell uh, and see the sulphur deposits. So it's a little bit of uh, Yellowstone without the uh, the rush and the traffic of everything that's Yellowstone. Oh, sounds like an interesting place to visit. Is there a visitor center there? There's a visitor center. There's all sorts of every possible outdoors stuff you could think of uh, in Lassen. As far as also many of the other parks I talk about, same same thing. You could just go an hour out of your way and you're at a whole different place and, and you can enjoy yourself seeing other things as well. What about touring? Do they have any kind of a tour program there? Um, there are some tours like at night it, it is so dark and really? so clear huh. that the rangers will have like a sky night 
star party. Ah. That, you, that they can give you uh, a tour of the heavens. And yeah, there, there are rangers around so that you could certainly have questions and so on. They're, they're available. Oh, good. Hey, hey, that's a interesting place, like I mentioned, to visit. Uh, yeah. What about the next uh, national park? The next one is Meteor Crater National hmm. Landmark. Hmm. People always hear about meteors and they always hear about the trouble. Here is your chance to actually see probably the best preserved crater in the world. Ah. It's right off of Route 40 in Winslow, Arizona. You just turn off the road and, and like two minutes later, you pull up to the museum and visitor center. Uh, they have on display there many of the uh, pieces of the meteorite that hit. There's a thousand pound piece there. It's not tied down because no one's going to walk away with it. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> Just for sitting there. Uh, there's the, uh, it's, you can do a self-guided or guided tour along the rim. The guided tours are about 50 minutes. No one's allowed down to the bottom for insurance purposes and all that business. Uh, um, uh. The details quickly, about 50,000 years ago, an object 150 feet wide, weighing a couple hundred thousand tons, coming into the earth at seven miles per second, hit Arizona, northern Arizona. And it made a hole almost a mile across and 750 foot deep, feet deep, and would have killed anything around it for probably a hundred miles around. Whoa. Talk about an instant change. Ah. We talk about the gradual climate change. This is an instant change in everything if um, you're in that area. Good thing I didn't have timeshare there. Wow. Yeah, right. <laughs> Boom. You're gone. Yeah. Now, was it, dry? it was a wet climate when it hit, and a lake filled in the crater for a couple hundred feet. Ah. Sediments. So now it's only 550 feet deep. It's not 750, but you'll get the point. You see this beautiful round crater. You can see the rock layers it carved out, like you see layers of the Grand Canyon. And of course, it's dry now. It's in a great state of preservation. And uh, for people who always, you know, you hear about this stuff all the time. There's meteor showers that occur many times during uh, the year that people will check. This is one of the big ones that came down and uh, altered everything in that area. Fortunately, there weren't any humans at 50,000 years ago. In the yeah, 50,000 years ago, that's right, that's right. Do you have any information about how deep and wide it is? Yeah, again, it's, it's about 4,000 feet across okay. and about 500, 500 feet deep. Oh, all right, all right. Wow, okay, and uh, uh, this is a place to visit, obviously. Right, right. I mean, it was owned by a family, the Barringer family, who thought that it was indeed a, a meteorite strike. People said, no, 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 it's a volcanic crater. Yeah, he right. Bought the land. He bought the land. Now the family's raking in millions a year from all the people <laughs> that visited. So uh, he was smart, did the right thing. And... Uh, it's a, it's a great place to visit. It's right on one of the major, major interstates uh, in the uh, in the country. As a matter of fact, you can see it if you're flying 30,000 feet up on your way, let's say, to Los Angeles or back east. You can see the crater from the air. While you were there, did you buy anything? Well, I did buy a few pieces of allegedly meteorite stuff. Huh. I don't know how accurate really it is. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, you could, or you could buy pieces 
of rock that when it hit, it vaporized the rock or, or it liquefied the rock and then chilled it and it cooled down quickly. So you have these glass pieces ah, that, okay. that, that uh, represent the impact event. Yeah, maybe it's a hybrid, too, of what was the original meteor that hit and the rock that it, it uh, sort of uh, uh, melded with. Oh, yeah. I mean, for sure, 90% of the meteorite just vaporized on impact. They have drilled down in the center, the yeah. bottom, and they ha- have, you know, picked up some uh, pieces that survived. Ah. But um, most of it, of course, vaporized. Uh, the impact was the equivalent of two and a half million tons of TNT. That's Whoa! 50 times, wow! Fifty times the bomb we dropped on Hiroshima. Wow! 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 Okay, the next uh, national park would be the next park is the Great Salt Lake in Utah. Yeah. Now, Utah, of course, is famous for all of its national parks, arches, canyonlands, and so on. But a lot of people don't end up going to the Great Salt Lake, which is basically an enormous inland sea. Right now, it's 75 by 35 miles in uh, shape and size. At one time, it was much larger during the Ice Age. It was called Lake Bonneville. And since it's a dried up area now, it's, it's slowly small. But Bonneville, it was much, much bigger. And people might have heard of the Bonneville Salt Flats, where people do uh, car racing, rocket racing on wheels, 500 miles an hour. Wow. Um, but the, the Great Salt Lake is the largest of its kind in the entire Western Hemisphere. So uh, you don't get a chance, you should see it. It's only about 20 feet deep on average. And because it is so salty, four to five times saltier than the ocean, you float like a cork. Ah, matter of fact, the ah. only way you could drown is if you wanted to float face down. But who would do that? Well, <laughs> As a matter of fact, you just you walk out, take a newspaper, take a book, just lean back, and you're up on the water as if someone is holding you up. It wow, is a wow. Riot. It yeah. is a riot. <laughs> hey, I'm trying to picture this now. Now, this is a big lake that's located yes. within a kind of a desert area? Yes, it's, yes, it's just by the, it's just by, uh, the, uh, the capital of, uh, Salt Lake City in Utah. Ah. You're not. I mean, you could fly in and you could, and you're at the lake in in, in minutes. <laughs> in in minutes, but it's 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 more than just the fun of that. There's a, an island there called Antelope Island, and it's basically like going on a little safari. You see pronghorn antelope, which are the second fastest animals in the world after the cheetah. They run 50 miles an hour. There are bison, there are deer, coyote, elk. There's all sorts of birds there. You can hike, you can bike. You can, I mean, it's just funny and a lot of fun. Wow. And, uh, you know, I mean, after you're in the water, you could have a, a thin layer of salt on you. So there, there are areas where you can take a, a, a freshwater shower and get the salt, salt off. But it is, I mean, it's just something that you just, you don't have to fly to the Dead Sea in the Middle East to do all this stuff. You can go right here in our own country, the Great Salt Lake, uh, and just have a great fun time. 
Oh, wow, oh, wow. Oh. <laughs> could you have a margarita there or something like that? that uh, well, I'm, I'm sure you could. <laughs> yes. So uh, what did you come uh, away with after visiting that? Uh, you come away with a piece of the water or something of that nature? Well, I mean, you, I mean, if you took a sample, no one is going to yell and scream at you, of course. Uh, and, of course, you could scoop up. Uh, in the areas where some of the salt is, where the water has evaporated, there's salty deposits. You could pick that. You could have, do that. I mean, if you taste it, it's really powerful and bitter. Ooh, ah. it's, it's unrefined salt. I mean, it's not going to hurt you or anything. I don't recommend it, but I'm just saying, um, you know, it, there's salt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can almost smell it. Okay, going beyond the salt, what uh, would be another national park that would be of interest? Well, I'm going to take you to another thing of salt. This is called a salt mine in hmm. Hutchison, Kansas. This is one of only three such mines in the world. Yeah. The other two, there's one in, in Poland, I think one in Austria, and... This is not the salt on the surface, and and I'm make, recommending this because people go into caves a lot. They like to visit caves, but people have been to Carlsbad and Mammoth and Luray and around here and so on. <clears throat> but now you're going into a whole different type of experience here. You have to take an elevator 650 feet below the surface. Oh, wow. Down. And then you enter what looks like an enormous cave. Hmm. But it's not. It was all salt. Really? And it was all mined out. Over the, It's still active, the salt mine. They take you to a place that's not active, obviously. And you can experience uh, the, the salt that's down there. So you take the eleva- elevator ride down. And this salt is there because where Kansas was, and right down the whole middle of our country... 250 million years ago was a giant inland sea. Giant inland sea filled with all sorts of weird creatures and so on. But eventually it dried up, leaving the salt behind. And the salt behind, hundreds and hundreds of feet high of salt. And that salt, of course, is very valuable. Ah, okay. Almost everything. As a matter of fact, the word salary comes from the word salt because people used to be worth their salt. They used to literally ah. they used to get paid in in salt. Oh, that's interesting. Oh. And sal from that's like Portuguese and Spanish and French sal for that. You have cities Salzburg in Europe. That means salt town. Ah. Salt is the history of salt is the history of the world. And when you get down there. They will take you on a two-hour tour. There's a 15-minute tram ride you get to travel on. You'll see how it's mined, history of salt and its uses. But the really cool part is because you are in an area that is at constant temperature and humidity. It's always the same. Really? It is excellent to store all sorts of interesting things. Ah. Oh, wow. Wow. Hollywood stores a lot of their old films there. Really? <laughs> and and their costumes. You want to see a Superman costume or a Batman costume? <laughs> They're all stored in wow. the corporations store their data there. I mean, this is a place that is 
and it's and you could drop all the bombs you want. The climate <laughs> could change. Nothing will matter. It will constantly stay the same. Uh, and you even get a nice free piece of salt at the end that they'll give you. You could take really? it home with you. And they'll turn off the lights. It is, of course, pitch black. Uh, Just like, I mean, even, I mean, sometimes when you, they're leaving a regular cave entrance, you see the light at the end of the tunnel. There is no light at the end of these. No, tunnels. really, really. You're 600 feet down. So it's very, it's very safe. Um, the, uh, the guides are very often there former miners there and so on so you're in good hands it's a lot of fun it's pretty much in the central part of kansas ah, ah okay hutchison, hutchison kansas you get a chance to uh, see any of the costumes that uh, uh oh, yeah, the yeah, they're on display yeah like the batman so, yeah they're on display ah. so you, so, and there's, they have other things uh too from from that so uh so it's just you know something that you were not really expecting Ah, yeah, and, yeah. And so, so it was even more fun. I guess. Wow, interesting, interesting. Uh, okay, on to the next one. Okay, the next one is Pictured Rocks National Lakeshore. What is the it? Upper Lake? Peninsula of Michigan. Ah. Pictured Rocks. Pictured. It's on, pictured. Oh. It's on the south side of Lake Superior. This is a very... Uh, shall we say, um, not very inhabited part of America. Really? Huh. I mean, the lower part of Michigan, you've got Detroit and so on. Yeah, and, yeah. And, so on, and it's very busy. You go hmm. to the Upper Peninsula, and it's very quiet and beautiful, forested. It's gorgeous. But, but there is, you get on a boat ride to this Pictured Rocks National Lakeshore, and it's a beautiful ride there are 15 miles of colorful cliffs reds and blues and greens stained by minerals that have percolated down in by groundwater into the rock there are beaches there are dunes there are waterfalls you can hike you can camp uh, the air is clean the water is clean the sky is beautiful at night you can bike and you're you know, you don't think you're in America anymore in that sense. I mean, you're just out of the uh, the hustle and bustle of a very big, popular state uh, like Michigan. Yeah, so so the name of the park itself, Pictured Rocks, what does that mean about the rocks out of there? Anything? Well, because of the staining of the, of the, of the cliffs that are there, that could be hundreds of feet high, you can get, you can imagine all sorts of figures on there just like you, you see clouds and ah, oh, okay. pictures there so but it's beautiful and, and and you have uh and as they're eroding and you have the forest and you have arches and you have the trees growing it's just a beautiful it's a beautiful two-hour boat ride it's just calming your blood pressure goes down 10 points <laughs> and your camera will be clicking away like crazy now, in uh, these national parks that you've been talking about, including this one, how long uh, were you and your wife there? How how uh, how many uh, was it? A full day or more than one day? Uh, how much time? Well, I mean, like for pictured rocks, uh, where the boat tour is the real, real fundamental thing you want to do. We were there for like half a day. Okay. Uh, for La for Lassen, 
we were there for a number of days because we were going to climb the volcano one day, then go uh-huh. to Cinderco one day, and then see the sulfur. So, um, you know, Meteor Crater, you could be a couple hours. I mean, if you want to walk around and take the tour, fine. If you don't want to, you just want to look in and just feel the sensation of what would have happened. So it, it really varies um, how much you want to uh, make out of it. Before you go to these parks, do you plan out uh, what you'll see at the park before you get there, or is it just a spontaneous thing? No, 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 no. Uh, there's very few spontaneous things unless there's something on the road that we had not already uh, investigated, looked up. Uh, we always try to make an itinerary first so that we are not um, driving around aimlessly wasting our time and our gas now. Yeah, so, yeah, right, uh, exactly. This, this way, it's right now, it's good to have a plan to go to the, you know, certain places, check the hotels in the area, check the availability of, if, uh, you know, restaurants or whatever else you may have of interest there so that you're not, uh, you're on a mission, you're going somewhere, you're not going to be wasting time and energy and gas and all that business. Do any of these parks have restaurants? Oh, yeah. I mean, many of the uh, visitor centers, they'll have, I mean, a cafe, but, yeah. but they're always next to a little town or something or close to it. Like uh, if you're on the interstate highway uh, from Winslow, I mean, you're not far from major cities in Arizona, so you can certainly get good meals and, and top off your gas tank and switch drivers or whatever you have to do. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. On this interview, I feel like a person who's asking the, the uh, operator of a, of a projector. Next slide, please. <laughs> so, <laughs> what, what's the next uh, national park that you visited? Okay, the next one is Dinosaur National Monument. Oh, oh. Now, this is in Jensen, Colorado, on the border of Utah and Colorado. And for the kids and so on who have the, the dinosaur you know, mentality, you go to Dinosaur National Monument and you go to the Quarry Exhibit Hall, which is a vertical piece of sandstone that's been uplifted and tilted vertically upright. And there are over 1,500 fossils of dinosaurs on this wall of sandstone that's 150 million years old. Never, ever anywhere in the world see anything better than this uh-huh. and yes there's a visitor center and a museum there's a drive a scenic drive through the canyon country but in in that wall you'll see some of the famous dinosaurs allosaurus which means other saurus which was the, like the one that came before t-rex the Plodocus, and a patasaurus the big long ones like with fred flintstone stegosaurus with the plates on its back and so on so all of these dinosaurs can be seen in this hall this this quarry hole you walk along uh you can even see if if your timing is right you'll see some of the uh people working there still trying to dig out the bones ah okay and they're using jackhammers Wow. wow. So, I mean, you can really say, boy, this is a real industrial type <laughs> yeah. of site. I mean, they're, they're serious here, and yeah. it is absolutely 
phenomenal. And there are trackways and there are trails you can go on and so on. So it, it's great for the kids or if you're an adult and have a, an interest in that. Dinosaur National Monument, again, out of, it's a little bit uh, out of the way. I mean, it's on the border of Colorado and Utah. I shouldn't say it's really out of the way, but, I mean, but it's not next to the famous parks where people are going. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. And you can still see something tremendous without the enormous crowds in that business. And when you say you can see the actual dinosaurs, what does that mean? You can see maybe images of them or images and uh, maybe the skeleton structure reconstructed. Yes. I mean, not only do you see the skeletons in in the wall still preserved, there, but then they have models and so on so that you can see what they look like, of course. Ah. And you can even touch some really? 150 million year old Jurassic Age fossils there. Oh, okay. So uh, uh, you don't think that they'll uh, eventually make it into a Jurassic Park in the future? <laughs> well, if they can figure out how to get their genes going and yeah. replicate them. But that would be kind of scary. Yeah, I imagine so. I imagine so. So this is a kind of an interesting historical area as well as being an area showing how different kinds of living things evolve through time. Huh? Oh, I mean, historically, you could go not too far away and you can go to where um, they drove the Golden Spike uh, into the railroad where... Yeah. The, uh, East and West met in 1869. Don't don't hold me for that. Where the Golden Spike was driven, so we finally had connections between uh, the East and the West, and we didn't need the Pony Express and all that stuff anymore. Yeah, and opened up a whole new era of the country. I'm surprised the Golden Spike is still there. <laughs> it's not there. It's, oh, um, okay. <laughs> where is it? It's, I think it's in. One of them, either one of the universities or in a museum somewhere, but no, they would never leave that golden. No, no, I guess God, not. Be gone in a minute. I guess not. I guess not. So it wasn't replaced by another golden spike, I'm sure, either, huh? No. <laughs> a fake. Yeah, right. Okay, on to the next national park. Okay. The next one is called Tent Rocks, T E N T, Tent ah. Rocks in New Mexico. Ah. It's a national monument. It's about 40 miles southwest of Santa Fe, New Mexico. You're at about 6,000 feet in elevation. And it is like walking through a fairy tale of shape of all different sizes and so on, up from just from a few inches to 90 feet tall. And all of this land was part of an eruption that dropped ash and pumice and all sorts of stuff six, seven million years ago. And nature eroded it into all sorts of crazy shapes, right side up and upside down, ice cream cone-like shapes and columns. It's like looking at clouds again, but now you see these objects in front of you. Your imagination can run wild looking at all this stuff. It's a fun, there are different loop trails, even wheelchair accessible that you could walk through these things. And these things are called hoodoos, H-O-O-D-O-O. Oh, what the heck, what the heck is that? And a hoodoo is basically like a column and it has like something on top of it that, that resisted erosion so the rest of it didn't wear away. It creates all these shapes. And the word hoodoo comes from the word voodoo because it images up all sorts of weird, strange things in your mind when you walk through these trails and see all these shapes in the that, that have been carved out. 
Oh, wow. That, 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 that's interesting in and of itself. Whoa. And on top of that, you're right in the middle of probably some of the greatest concentration of Native American sites. Ah, ah, ah. From cliff dwellings, sky cities, pueblos, all sorts of stuff right in that area of northern New Mexico. Ah, okay. uh, and I think some of the, in, the, uh, the, uh, the American Indian cultures also saw these shapes and, and had ideas about what was going on. So again, you could combine the, uh, the geology, so to speak, with the cultural and the anthropology and the history uh, of, uh, of our Native Americans. Did, did you come back with uh, any kind of literature from any of these places? Um, I always do. I keep promising myself I won't bring any more stuff home. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, I mean, usually, um, I, I mean, you always are going to get the National Park um, Guide, Visitor Guide. You always get, you always, you know, one or two of those so that if there's like a, uh, a drive around or it tells you what trails there are, yeah. or facilities. So you're always going to get one or two of those. Uh, and then there might be, uh, some, if you're really, uh, if there's something of real interest that there's a little pamphlet or something that you may want to purchase. Um, so this way you have like a, a running file of where you've been and you can take notes on it if you ever wanted to go back again or somebody has, a, has an interest and they want to know, you can always hand it to them and they can um, check it out for themselves. And at all these places, I guess there's uh, different sorts of other resources like CDs and things of that nature, huh? Oh, nowadays? Oh, jeez. I mean, it's one of everything. Oh, yeah. Sure. And, and they have all sorts of toys and all sorts of stuff and people who spent their life there. You can read their biographies. I mean, it, it's, it's, it could be endless. Now, these places so far, what you've been talking about, uh, do they also have... Uh, Accessibility to wheelchairs? Um, you're not going to climb the volcano with a wheelchair. Yeah, yeah. But um, others, there's generally uh, a trail that is going to be the park. The park service has been very good where there's going to be a trail that is wheelchair accessible. There may be a short boardwalk or, or hard packed ground where uh, a wheelchair will work. Or, and some people now have these motorized chairs. Yeah, yeah. So, and they, um, you know, they're right. That they, they're great, and uh, and people can use them. And of course, um, there are ramps getting in and out of visitor centers. And if you wanted to see that, they usually have a movie that shows you the history and so on of of it and so on. And you certainly can uh, go in there. Sure, no problem. But I would okay. still check ahead. I would still check it. Yeah, out. yeah, of course, of course. In order to make sure, rather than get there, only to find out that that uh, there's no access in terms of people with wheelchairs. Yeah. Right, right. And, I mean, and if you have some sort of disability, it, it could even be just you have difficulty walking. Ah, you're right, you right, wanna, right. You still right. may just want to check. Look, if you were going to go into one of the, um, the the big caves, like Carlsbad Caverns or something, there might be 600 steps. The elevator may not be working. You're not going anywhere. Yeah, yeah. So you have to, you, you want to check. And even if it is working, you may get there and somehow it's not in operation. <laughs> right. And, and, and then you're disappointed. We, I mean, we had things like that happen to us over the years where there was an elevator down and it didn't work. Yeah. And that yeah, was the yeah. only way down. So right. that, so 
something that we wanted to see. Sorry, it's uh, that's come, you know, you have to come back. And it's yeah. just, uh, it just happened one day it works, the next day it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. You know, I guess, I guess too, some of these places, uh, uh, are able to be seen from the air. So you probably could take some kind of a ride in an aircraft or helicopter over some of these national park areas you're talking about. Of course, the ones which are underground, <laughs> that would be a little hard, but like Meteor Crater and things like that. Oh, sure. I mean, last, and yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, I mean, you certainly could. I mean, and very often there are small airports in the area. Um, these are not, um, they're general aviation. They're not like Newark Airport here or, or JFK. And, and rides could be offered. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. And, and they'll fly you around and, uh, for whatever. And, uh, you can have a, a fun time with that. Well, what park can we fly to next? <laughs> okay. Next is Alligator River. Whoa, National never heard of that Wildlife one. Wildlife Refuge. Wow. And What's that? Where is it? Because I never heard of that one. All right. Alligator River National Wildlife Refuge is in northeastern Carolina, North Carolina, uh, just west of Nags Head on the coast. It's about a half hour to an hour inland. Ah. Alligator River National Wildlife Refuge. This has been set up basically for birds, but I have better than birds. Uh, because, because the tundra swans and the snow geese come here by the tens of thousands in the winter. Oh, really? People, yeah. people visit. I've, I've been there in the winter, and the birds are flying overhead. It's like a miraculous thing, the sound, the formation, how they all turn together. But the real reason we go down there is because it has the largest black bear population anywhere. That's interesting. It's it's given the name involving the animal alligator, but yet we're talking about the bear that is the most prominent animal that right. can be seen there. Wow. Right. We have seen 50, 60 bears in one day. Wow. 50, 60 wow. Bears. We have seen bears. They're in front of us. They're behind us. They're on the side of us. There's a mother with cubs. They have right. no interest in you. They're not going to attack you they're not competing with you they have plenty of food they just go about their business and you just take pictures really it's called alligator river because it is the northernmost part of an alligator's range in this country and ah. we have seen some small alligators there it's the furthest north they get to uh, and they can survive but there's also uh, I mean there's uh, there are wildlife drives which are indicated, and there's maps. Like I said, besides the, the visitor guide, you get the maps. And you can also see one of the rarest animals in the U.S., in the world, is the red wolf. There's only about 50 of them. Really? Uh. Red wolf, I've seen a couple. Uh, sometimes I've looked, people say, there's a red wolf, I can't see it. <laughs> sometimes it's right in front of you. There are bobcats. There are snakes of all sorts, turtles, birds of prey. It's 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 like being on safari uh -huh. in your own country, and whether it's mammals or reptiles or amphibians or birds, it's just loaded with uh, stuff. There are hotels you can stay at. Res 
but people that really never heard of. But the black bear concentration is tremendous because they do have farmland there, which once the, the, uh, the crop has been harvested and they leave like the corn stalks left behind, the bears want to go for it and get them. And, and they're, they just want to eat and you just watch them. Oh, wow. Wow, that's fantastic. You know, if it's so, early, early in the if it's early in the morning and you're in the right place at the right time, you could see dozens of bears out in the field and usually bears are loners. Uh, but these but they they are social. Wow, wow. They so, are social. They're they're not too far apart from each other because there's so much to eat. There's not they don't feel the competition. Ah. Uh, so you say there's no threat to uh, your life with these bears being there and you walking amongst them, huh? I mean, I mean, look, at anybody can be stupid, and these are the biggest black bears in the country. Some of them can be six, seven hundred pounds. Their Whoa. bellies are practically scraping against the ground. They don't need to hibernate. They're in North Carolina. They can eat all year. They don't ah, lose weight. Okay. Ah. They don't lose weight. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but, I mean, you know, if you're just... That, as long as they know you're there, and you, you know, they, they can, they'll just walk right by. I had once... I was in my car on the, on the wildlife drive, and this bear just kept walking with me for about a mile. <laughs> no, no, no. I stopped. I started. The bear started. He's looking at me. I'm looking at him. You know, now I'm not going to stick my finger in his nose or something. No, 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 no. You, know, you don't do something stupid. I mean, you're, you don't provoke them. You don't feed them. You don't make noises and so on. But they're, they will come up to you in that sense. <laughs> but they, they may be curious. So, so I'm wondering how you didn't come back with a bear as a pet. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's, I mean, you can see when the cubs are born, that's a very popular time to see them. Also, mating is a very popular time. In June, coming up now, is going to be the mating season. Uh, they have a bear festival there the first weekend in June. Ah. There's a bear festival. Uh, in Plymouth and those that area, one of the towns uh, near there. So it's a very popular and uh, but people that you know they're driving to Florida from here, let's say on 95, and it would never occur to them to go, you know, an hour or two off the road to some of the most amazing sites you could see. It sounds like the bears can organize their own festival. <laughs> wow. Well, practic practically. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's quite interesting. So we have uh, time for one more national park, and uh, what would that be? What would that be? Yeah, okay. yeah. What, what would be the so next one? Another one is called Big Horn. Hmm. Big Horn Canyon National Recreation Area. This is a national recreation area. This is by Fort Smith, Montana, on the border of Wyoming and Montana. This is the equivalent... I shouldn't say equivalent. It's like the Grand Canyon. Ah. It's up to 2,500 feet deep. That's only half as much, but 2,500 is deep. That's a, I mean, when I say deep, I mean the height of the cliffs. Yeah. The rocks at the bottom are two and a half billion years old, like the Grand Canyon, stained red with the iron down there. And uh, you can see all sorts of wildlife. You see bighorn sheep, deer, coyote, and... You can see wild mustangs, really, oh. running around, and you can get up close to them because they're—they know you can't outrun them, and they're not going to, you know, if, as long as you're not being uh, yelling and screaming and so on. 
so it's a, you can have also you can have a spectacular boat ride in the uh, the dam the river that was dammed up. That's part of it. Yeah. And you can take yeah. a very nice boat ride to see the steep walls. Uh, if you're never going to get to the bottom of the Grand Canyon to see the steep walls, because you don't want that that tough raft ride, rugged rough ride, you can take a nice calm boat ride. Yeah, yeah. And you can even see the signs that say Wyoming, and then you're in Montana. And I think I'm not sure about this. It might be the one that they actually had bathrooms placed on the water. Uh, had to stop. Uh, That's kind of weird. But at any rate, it's a beautiful country. Beautiful country. Uh, Bighorn Canyon National Recreation Area. Can you place Loading. bets? Can you place bets on the Mustangs? No, I didn't. They weren't. They, they were racing, but only with each other. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, that that day. Uh, there's a marina there, the Horseshoe Bend Marina in Lovell, Wyoming. It's the third largest canyon. Uh, in the country, ah, no one ever heard of it. No one ever heard of it. Are there any uh, fossils embedded in the walls of the canyon, like uh, oh, Grand Canyon? Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, uh, I mean, we didn't get a chance to do that. But there are also overlooks, Devil's Canyon. You can look down on it. Um, I don't know because it's a national recreation area. If you could actually collect fossils, yeah, yeah. But um, uh, I, I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, I, 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 oh. I that. Well, thank That's you. Thank you. Area. Wow, fantastic. Wow, thank you, Mark. This has been Mark Schongold and uh, talking about visiting various kinds of parks throughout the country. Very interesting and unique areas to visit if you had the opportunity uh, to do so. Uh, we encourage you to do that. And uh, been talking about his experiences at these parks and making comparisons between them. So thank you again, Mark, uh, for being uh, in Carl's orbit. And uh, thank you for having me. And I'm sure we'll have you sometime in the future when you visit some other places in the future and maybe talk about some of the national parks that we haven't had time to cover during this interview itself. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, uh, thank you again. Been talking to Mark Schongold, called the World Traveler, and we thank everybody for listening in to this podcast. And return again. Join us in Carl's orbit.